Welcome to Radically Personal, where we explore the behind-the-scenes stories of today's most beloved brands, how they started, what their mission is, and how they're building enduring relationships with customers and showing them how they have their best interests at heart. I'm Joseph Ancinelli, CEO of Gladly, where we're on a mission to help companies reinvent customer service and deliver on the promise of radically personal customer experiences. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of talking to my friend, Joey Zwillinger, the co-founder and CEO of Allbirds. In this episode, Joey shares the big idea behind why he and co-founder Tim Brown started Allbirds. And, spoiler alert, it wasn't born out of a deep passion for shoes. It started bigger than a shoe because neither Tim or I really cared that much about shoes when we started this business, to be honest. Uh, Whoa, uh, you know, big spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, we do now. <laughs> we, we really do now. We also talk about how Zingerman's, a small Jewish deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan, helped shape the future and mission for all birds. They make great bread. They make great sweets. But they also do something around visioning, which we found very powerful and inspirational. By treating their customers like people and building relationships matters. And so we know, and it's common sense, human connection is going to drive more understanding and a deeper engagement to a brand or a product. And so how do we then connect that in an effective way? We need to talk to those customers like human beings. And we talk about the real story behind the letter heard all around the world. The one that starts with, Dear Mr. Bezos. It was... um funny moment because we'd been ripped off a bunch before. And so that was not a new idea to us. But Amazon was different. We had so much to talk about. We've ended up creating a special bonus episode too. So be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to hear that one too. This is Radically Personal. Welcome everybody. I am super excited to welcome Joey, the co-CEO and co-founder of Allbirds to Radically Personal. Joey, welcome. Nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Joseph. Thrilled. We have had so many great conversations about entrepreneurship and culture and customer experience. And so I'm really excited to share some of those conversations here. But let's start with the Allbirds story. What's the big idea? It's so much bigger than a shoe. Yeah, I mean, and... It started bigger than a shoe because neither Tim or I really cared that much about shoes when we started this business, to be honest. Uh, Whoa, you know, big spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, we do now. <laughs> we, we really do now. I actually came from a fairly different background than what you might expect someone to come into the, the shoe biz. I was working at a, a biotech firm and we engineered microorganisms to replace a variety of different products. And I led the chemicals division. So I was replacing petrochemicals with microalgae. Hmm. What we did was we programmed these little organisms to eat a low carbon intensity feedstock like, like sugarcane or some other carbon source and convert that through their biomechanics and through the organism, metabolize the sugar and produce something that could replace something very dirty for the planet a particular petrochemical, I'd go to multinationals and brands and I would say, we got this amazing sustainability profile. We have amazing performance. Do you want to buy it? And 
at first they'd be like, that's incredible. Come in, meet everybody, pitch it. Uh-huh. And then it would go, can you just do what we do now and do it cheaper? And, <laughs> and, and, and what it opened my, it opened my eyes to this concept that there is, there is this lip service being paid to sustainability mm, yeah. and consumers. I had such strong conviction. Consumers want it. I had knowledge that the technology existed because I was one of the people making it and brands were getting in the way. So I, I felt like there's an opportunity to go downstream. What industry? I had no idea. And and that's where my knight in shining armor, my co-founder, Tim Brown, comes in and his de- background in design. He was a professional athlete sponsored by the big athletic footwear companies. And we saw a big opportunity because there is a lot of shoes made every year, 20 billion in the U S it's about eight per person per year. So, I mean, this is a big, big deal. So we felt like it was a big leadership opportunity and and, and that's why we went in. Yeah. So it's really a lot more about wanting to change the world and improve the world than it was originally really about this idea of creating the world's most comfortable shoe, if you will. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was about the idea that Climate change is the problem of our generation. And if we don't solve it, it's an existential question of whether we survive as a species. And if we can play a role in something as important as that, and we think that shoes can actually be a great wedge in to storytell and do something special on the manufacturing side, that's something important to spend your life doing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. And I do agree. I mean, the, I mean we're living this challenge of climate change here in the Bay Area. I mean, the last four weeks of fires and smoke and everything else, it's just, um, it's literally on our doorsteps. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it anymore to people. It's uh, Yeah, we should all be panicked and we should all do something about it. Yeah, agreed. Climate change is the North Star for us to combat that. We think it's the beating heart of the planet. There's a lot of other environmental issues that matter to us, but if, if your heart stops beating, the rest of them don't matter so much. So climate change is number one. Some people look to the stars for inspiration. For the team at Allbirds, that inspiration came from a rather more unexpected source, Zingerman's Deli in Michigan. You shared a little bit of a story about Zingerman's Deli and the role it played in actually, you know, creating a vision document. And you shared that vision document with me, which I thought was really well written. I think you wrote it four years ago. When you try to describe that vision to people and to your team and to stakeholders, what are those key principles that you thought of then that you still live in today and how does it affect how you make decisions day to day? Yeah. So maybe just for a little context, Zingerman's Deli is a little Jewish deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan. They make great bread, they make great sweets, but they also do something around visioning, which we found very powerful and inspirational. And what they ask you to do is put yourself sometime into the future, look backwards and write what happened. And what we chose to do when we started the company, it was about three months after we launched to consumers. So we launched to consumers in March of 16. We wrote this in June of 16. We said, okay, what does it look like 10 years in the future? What have we accomplished and what have we done? And through a number of iterations and involving the the founding team that we had at the time, we crafted what we would say no to. And it forced us to choose and align on the strategic priorities for who we were as a business and what we were trying to accomplish. And as you write that down, you weave through 10 years of as specific as you can get on what you do while leaving enough to mystery so that it remains relevant as long as it's remained relevant for us, which is now going on almost five years. So the, you know, what does it do? It says who you are. We didn't say we were going to make a running shoe and a a ballet flat. It says we are going to focus on being a innovation center 
related to natural materials and creating very differentiated products as a result of that research and development. We said we were going to be a vertical brand that wasn't going to use wholesale partners. And we were going to be a purpose-driven company that embraced stakeholder views of the world for how the private sector should engage with society versus the shareholder-only profit-at-all-cost mentality. And that was how we were going to build a great culture, a great company, and, and a great financial outcome for everyone involved. What's so powerful about that is that in clarifying all of those strategic choices, you hand it over to a candidate in the final round of interviews and some people think you're a hippie with a flower in your ear and <laughs> some people think you're really smart and they are, they're inspired by it. And if right. you're one of the latter, you might join our company. And if you're one of the former, you might opt not to. And that's great because we don't want people that don't align with that mission and share the values that we have. Yeah. I, I talk internally a lot of Cloudy about this. When our goal is to find people who believe what we believe. And you got to first start by writing it down. And it's such a powerful thing when people just believe in that mission. It, it helps to get through all those challenges that are going to happen day to day. When I was reading through your, your doc that you shared, you actually said exactly what you just described back then, which was, if I can read a little bit from it, which is, you've transformed from a company with one style of shoe to a global leader in the evolution of a movement to make better things in a better way. And that better things in a better way is so foundational to what you're trying to do. I mean, that's like the best way to describe the big idea. If that is our mission statement, to make better things in a better way. That sums up what we do as a company. We try and aspire, first of all, to be more like a tree than a company traditionally is, giving back more than we extract. And secondly, we want to do that by making great products. We don't want to compromise on what that product needs to do for a consumer just because it's sustainable. We want it to be better for the consumer because it's sustainable. And that's how we view our role in the world. And when you think about this idea of better things in a better way, and you list your ingredients in your products and your shoes. I mean, some of the things you're using, like I was reading through them, I was like, castor oil, sugar, mm -hmm. like sugar cane products. Like I was like, how do you make a shoe like from sugar products? Like I, <laughs> how does that work? That is one of our proudest accomplishments. And it's, if I could ask you to bear with me, I'll tell you a little story about how we created that. When, when we started the company, before we launched to consumers, we knew we had an issue with the sole of the shoe. I mean that, you know, S-O-L-E. The sole was strong, <laughs> S-O-U-L. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, they actually both were challenging. The sole was made from a petrochemical derivative and the whole world of sneakers uses it. It's the most ubiquitous component. I happened from my previous background that I mentioned around the biotech company I worked at to know that there was a company in Brazil that could take a waste stream of sugarcane processing and convert that into a valuable chemical. And I had this vision that we could convince them to make the specific derivative we wanted to make. So we flew down to Brazil with a mock-up of the front page of the Wall Street Journal. We wrote in that, that article what we were going to do for the world as a partnership together. The company's called Braskem. So Braskem and Allbirds get together and and change the world through this innovation with sugarcane. Lo and behold, we, we convinced them and they invested many millions of dollars in their manufacturing facility in, in the very southern tip of Brazil to convert sugarcane waste stream into what we now call sweet foam. And sweet foam is this unbelievably comfortable sole that puts on the, we put on the bottom of the shoe and it's better for the product 
and it is a carbon negative product. So in the manufacture of this component, it actually sucks more carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere than it takes to create helping combat climate change. So with that vision, we said, wow, that's so good that we should share it. So we've open sourced it. And the altruism there is if everyone used it, the world would be sucking carbon out of the atmosphere in much greater magnitude, the, and much more than we could ever do as an individual company. And pragmatically, from a business perspective, we ensure that we get a good deal and the price keeps going down for that component. <laughs> so it's, it's a win-win. And that's sort of the tension right. that we want to eradicate, that, that good business can't be done sustainably. That, that is a tension that shouldn't exist. That's great. I mean, the, the level of innovation that you're doing there is great to hear about. It wasn't actually, I don't think a lot of people know that and think about that when they think of Allbirds, to be honest. And uh, it's great to hear that whole story and explanation. And I, and I wish more people actually knew it um, because it is, it's making a huge difference and an impact and it has to start somewhere and just like, it's great to see. Well, I agree with that perspective that not a lot of people know that. And I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it, but I... I also have always recognized that better things in a better way, the first and most important part is that it needs to be better things. When people come right. to our store <laughs> or our website or, or our app, they want to buy an amazing product. Whether it's sustainable or not is now a secondary consideration in the mind of the consumer for the most part. And that, that's changing and that's evolving quite quickly, actually, more quickly than I had anticipated. But it's still true that it needs to deliver what you want it to deliver. And, and so we focus on that. And then on the back of that, you know, when we, when we notify you that your product's being shipped, we also ask you to tell us where you want to direct your carbon credit uh, when you purchase a product. And so we, we do it in subtle ways. And for us, that story will unfold over time. And being a relatively young company, we, we want that to blossom. And we just need to be authentic and make sure that we stay true to our values internally so that when, when the story is told, it's from a place of, of real innovation and methodical and objective analysis and processes. Customer experience is the guiding principle for so many brands, but Allbirds takes it to the next level. From how they think about the details of your online experience, to designing custom seats that make trying on shoes easier, to how their customer experience team engages with their customers. It's all about making the experience feel effortless. You mentioned a couple other things, your e-commerce site, stores, app. You not only are doing innovation in material science, you really are doing a lot of innovations and excellence in how you run the company and how you think about customer experience. If you sort of had to describe your similar set of principles when you think about customer experience, like when you walk into a physical retail store at Allbirds, like you got a similar feeling than if I'm in the app or if I'm actually on the website, for example. What's what's that customer experience principle for Allbirds? Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate you saying that. And you know, the way retail is going, it's very difficult for brands and retailers to compete with Amazon, Walmart, the big guys. And so one of the most important ways to do so is through control of proprietary merchandise. So if you can only get Allbirds product on allbirds.com or in one of our stores, you're more likely to go there if you think it's special. And when you go to that store, it better damn well be a great retail experience or that website or that app. So whatever the touch point, it needs to be an incredible experience that is much better than Amazon. And I think we have an absolutely superior experience to Amazon in every way you could possibly imagine in terms of what we do for consumers. And so 
you think about that on our website, it goes from, you know, price to convenience, to quality, to education, to understanding of what you're getting and setting expectations. And then when you go to the store, it's got to be an amazing service quality. And so we've gone down all the way to the packaging of the product where we have designed a box that allows us to bring it in a beautiful form closer to the customer when they enter the store so that when they ask for a particular style and size, we can deliver it within 30 seconds to a custom-made seat that you can bend down and helps you tie your shoe better so that you have the best experience you possibly can. And then you think about when we engage with those customers, they give us so much insight into our products, what's wrong, what's going great, that we learn from them every day. So we need to invest in technology that allows us to be tightly connected with them. Some of that is, is just data that we then look at from a pattern recognition perspective. Some of that is in customer service and how we interact with customers. And what we found is when a customer who talks to our service agents that has bought, for example, two pairs of shoes, and you compare that customer to someone who has not talked to our customer service agents, the LTV, the lifetime value of that customer who has talked to the agents, goes significantly increased than compared to the one who has not talked to the service agent. And so we know, and it's common sense, human connection is going to drive more understanding and a, and a deeper engagement to a brand or a product. And so how do we then connect that in an effective way? We need to talk to those customers like human beings, and we need to understand like we're having a lifetime conversation with them and learning about them along the way. How can we make their experience better every time? So for us, it is so omni-channel. It is so foundational to our product to the way we work as a company and to the eventual customer experience and happiness that we create for our customers. And it's in no small part due to our partnership with Gladly. So I'll, I'll throw out, give you a little <laughs> shout out there. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you said it sounds like common sense. I have to tell you, I don't know if everyone agrees. I don't know if it is. I actually think from our very first early conversations, when we started talking about exactly what you said, most people look at the post-sale experience as like a cost, but it really isn't. I mean, you know, the fact that you know that people that actually engage with you on support of higher lifetime value, that shift is, I mean, I do think you and, and several other, other companies, you're really on the forefront of actually thinking about it differently and not thinking about it as a cost center and really thinking about it as a revenue center. And again, I don't, I don't think that's actually common sense, to be honest with you. It's not normal. Revenue center almost implies that you're going to change it to a sales organization. And in some ways, that's 100% true. <clears throat> and there's real value created. And we, we endeavor to do that. We endeavor to make sure that our, our customer experience team interacts with customers in a way that helps educate such that they'll learn more and want to covet our product even greater than they do today and buy more. Right. I don't even know if you know this. We had a, a customer forum and some folks from your team, Carla and Steph, were on and they were sharing a little bit about, well, they're not trying to be a sales organization. You know, we rolled out this feature where you can take payments via chat, which is a great way. You know, someone's chatting in, they're asking a bunch of questions. You know, they were sharing a little bit about how they were trying it and getting started on it. It's become a very natural part of the conversation that they're having with people, which is people are asking a bunch of questions about the shoe. How does it fit? How do I clean it, et cetera? And then the ability to just say, hey, do you want me to help you and, you know, just put the order in for you? It's become very natural. And, and I don't know if that's something that you try to are trying to like create in the culture because 
of just like how you make it very seamless to go from conversations to commerce, if you will. And well, look, I mean, I think our conversations have been very enlightening for me. And and when when we first started talking, we had found Gladly as an opportunity, and I was thinking about how we use very abstractly at the time, thinking about how we use our customer experience team to actually like that second word, like make the experience. And I had this view that we could turn this from a reactionary group of people that is taking in problems or answering basic questions to something that was much more high value for the customer. And I think our conversations really helped shape that vision for me where it's not about answering a question that a customer has, but it's about developing a relationship with them like longitudinally, like do over time across different channels. So we know if somebody likes to shop in our mobile app or in our store or in our website, we know if they like to gift products to their friends and family. We know what types of products, what colors they like. And if we have a relationship with our customer where we understand that information about them as an individual, we're obviously going to be able to make a better experience for them. And that's going to translate to better business for us. It's also obviously going to help our impact as a company on the planet from an environmental perspective. So these things are are very synced and aligned. And so as we, we're not super far down this journey, but that is the journey we're on is to create wonderful, long-lasting relationships. And as we add new products into the mix for our company, we'd love to make sure that we identify customers who we know are going to love it. And educating those customers that we even have, who knows we have a running shoe. Very few people know we have a running (laughs) shoe right now. I'm wearing them for the record. (laughs) They're so great. (laughs) Thank you. But but, I mean, like we got to understand our customers on an individual level in order to do that. And we need technology and tools to be able to unpack that. And then we need great people who share that vision. And the people in our customer experience team uh, and our leader, Carla, that, that runs that is, has done just a fabulous job of instituting those principles within the team. Yeah. There's that, you know, that book, The Score Will Take Care of Itself. Absolutely. You know, like, it's not about the transaction. It's about, hey, let's build a relationship. We do right by everyone by building better products in better ways. The transaction, the order, it'll come. And that approach, I think, that you guys do is great. And it, it gets people to fall in love. And at the end of the day, when they fall in love with you, with all birds, the score will take care of itself in the end. And I think that's a great way to sort of think about it. Finding cheap knockoffs on Amazon isn't anything new. But what happens when Amazon themselves, the 800-pound e-commerce gorilla, makes the knockoff? You talked a little about competition. You mentioned Amazon. And about a year ago, roughly, they came out with a, you know Amazon-branded shoe that, I don't know how else to describe it. It was basically a ripoff of an Allbirds shoe. I mean, I'll just say it like that. You probably won't say it necessarily that way. But two questions. One, when you first got that text message from Tim or whoever who sort of sent it to you and was like, dude, we got a problem. Check this out. What was going through your mind in that moment? Uh it's funny, you know. <laughs> and, and if you curse, we can bleep it out. It's totally okay. <laughs> funny moment because we'd been ripped off a bunch before. And so that was not a new idea to us. But Amazon was different because what was immediately obvious is that you go to Amazon.com and you type in Allbirds, 
you are passing data to Amazon and you're telling them that I'm interested in Allbirds. Mm-hmm. And with over 50% of product searches originating in Amazon.com instead of Google, Amazon has really dominated the product search first discovery window when people are looking for a specific kind of a product. And so we understood that it was the first time that we'd been ripped off algorithmically. And oh, interesting. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of people that are opportunists and they're like, oh, I think Albert is doing great. Like, people like them. Like, let's rip them off. That's one thing. But to algorithmically decide that you're going to like take the mercenary tactic and understand exactly what it is, try to rip off the aesthetics of the shoe to siphon off demand we've created. Oh, and then by the way, when we looked for the first time at what the knockoff was, there was reviewers that had been paid by Amazon through in-kind product to review the products positively. And so you like, it, you know, not only is it algorithmically ripped off, but then systematically doctored the outcome. Uh, it's like a fascinating thing to be a part of and to experience. And so it was a different moment in terms of the other ripoffs that we had. That said, we've never once for a moment believed that we were a wool company or a shoe company. And certainly the wool runner that they had ripped off wasn't going to be something that would make a company. It was a cool product, but that wasn't what would make a company. So we always believed that we just had to keep innovating and be ahead of the competition and, and knockoffs would not be an issue if we were successful doing that. So we've always had that belief. So it, I wouldn't say I was upset any more than any other knockoff, but it was it was interesting. Yeah. And it was great, actually. The second part of it is um, your response, the ultimate response, the Dear Mr. Bezos letter. And if folks haven't seen it, go search for, I think it's Dear Mr. Bezos. It's on Medium. You wrote it and published it. And you didn't really attack him in terms of like knocking off the shoe. You said, hey, you know, thanks. Copying us is, is nice, but why don't you actually join us in this mission of sustainability? I just thought it was such a great high ground response that was like hard to refute. I don't know if he, he ever, if you ever heard from him or, or anyone from Amazon after that, but I just thought it was such a great response. It was like, look, I, I, look, take our stuff, like use, use the materials, change the world with us. I just thought that that was such a great high ground response. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, the, the sweet foam material that we've produced that's carbon negative and open sourced is available to anyone, including Amazon. And if you think about the market power that they have by way of, of being able to get over 50% of product searches in the US at least, that is, starting on Amazon.com, what if you use that in a powerful way to actually direct people to something that would impact the world positively rather than just you know, getting an extra couple pennies on the bottom line by ripping off a design in a really harmful way for the environment? And so yeah. for us, it was, it was one of those things like, let's not go to court. It's going to drag out for years. It's going to be expensive. They have more lawyers than we have employees at Amazon. <laughs> so, so like, what are we going to accomplish by doing that? Let's, mm-hmm. let's just try to address the issue head on and move on and keep innovating. Yeah, that's great. Continuing on that sort of thread about competition and cooperation, you recently announced this partnership with Adidas. Now, first of all, I loved how you did the announcement. It was like a late night tweet from Adidas, like, hey, you know, Allbirds, what, what are you doing? What's up? You know, what's going on over there? <laughs> I thought it was just a genius, like, you know, and then the Allbirds responded, ah, oh, just dreaming about some things and sustainability, et cetera. What's the partnership about? And how do I say, you know, like, they're the opposite side of what you guys have tried to do historically, but like, what are you thinking about there? Yeah, it is definitely different. In the words of our counterparts at, at Adidas, 
Uh, they sold it in as, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we looked at it a little bit different. We, we came to them and we said, you know, look, we've been making, as a society, we've been making running shoes to make people run faster and jump higher or do whatever for many decades. And the pursuit of human performance is really aspirational and important, but we're sort of running the wrong race. And if we don't, as a society, try to fix what we've created from a climate change perspective, the species will perish. And so I think we should probably be racing against that because we're racing against the clock on that. And if Allbirds becomes the biggest shoe company in the world, it's going to make very little impact from a carbon kind of mass balance perspective on climate change. But if we can catalyze a movement where we change the way people manufacture and the way consumers think about consuming, and we do that through collective action with collaborators, competitors, other industries, et cetera, then we got a shot at this. And we got a real shot at, at turning back the clock on what's happened to our planet and we don't have to keep sucking in smoke from wildfires in California and right. enduring yeah. hurricanes and changing water supplies and all this stuff that is is really threatening our species. So that was the idea. And now we're in the hard work of little company and big company getting together and challenging each other to do something really special. Well, I can't wait to see what comes of that. The name of the podcast is Radically Personal. What's something radically personal about you that most people don't know? I was thinking about this because I listened to your, your stuff, so I kind of had a hunch this might come. <laughs> something that's really driven me to do what I'm doing stems from my dad and his activist background. In the 60s, he moved from the East Coast to San Francisco, and he was the leader of the professor's union at San Francisco State University to create a, an African-American studies department at the university, which had been just abandoned as a plan that was previously agreed to by the chancellor of the university. And he went on and did a strike for many months and led the professor's union with the strike in concert with the students and ended up um, achieving the objective. It was the precursor to the free speech movement in uh, Berkeley later on. And I think his view on the world, which has shaped me significantly, is that our role as individuals is one that needs to contribute to society. And if you have a conviction on what the right thing is to do, you can do it. And your creativity and, and self-determination can really make it. And, and it's been very shaping in my life and led me to whatever it was. He didn't care what I did. It just had, had better well be for the benefit of, of not just me, my family, but also society. That's a great story. Totally touching. Thank you for sharing that. Joey, thanks so much for sharing the big idea behind Allbirds and learning more about your mission to save the planet. We at Gladly are proud to be your partner in delivering on the customer experience we've all come to know and love. For everyone listening, there was so much good stuff in my conversation with Joey that we couldn't fit it all into one episode. We created a bonus episode where you can hear us talk more about entrepreneurship, the challenges in building a sustainable business, and how a shoe company is iterating like a software company. I'm Joseph Oncinelli. CEO of Gladly. If you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or visit us at radicallypersonal.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. This is Radically Personal. Radically Personal.